Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. Derek, how are you? Doing pretty well, Sean. How are you doing? I can't complain. Kentucky got a win on Tuesday night at Rupp Arena. And Derek, I am of the belief that overtime games only happen at 9 p.m. tips. And it's always those nights where I honestly don't need an overtime game because I needed to get out of there pretty quickly last night. And I didn't make it home till it's close to 3 a.m. I think this morning when I pulled in the driveway. Yeah, uh, that's rough for sure. Um, pretty fun game, though, really. It uh, was. All things considered, it ended up being a, a pretty entertaining game. The people that stuck it out at Rupp Arena last night. Uh, and then if you were sitting at home watching the game on TV, even if you had work this morning, you uh, stuck it out. I guess, would you say they were kind of rewarded, Sean? I mean, a pretty good overtime period after a uh, really tough second half. Yeah, I think, honestly, this team's gutted out a couple of wins the last week uh, at Texas A&M last week in a performance where they weren't playing well. And then last night, foul trouble got them. Uh, obviously being without Ty Ty Washington. Then you have a couple of rolled ankles there in the second half. Mississippi State's making a run at you. One of the one of the better guards in the league and Molinar got hot and scored uh, 30 on them at Rupp Arena, and they found a way to win. And those are wins that, honestly, they I don't think they're discouraging. I think they're encouraging that they're finding ways to win some of these games where they're in some adversity because this this team, when it comes down to March, it's going to fa- it's going to be one of those things where you're like, all right, how much harder can it get? Because we've kind of been through everything <laughs> to this point. And listen, Mississippi State was a team we talked about in the preseason um, as a team that could, you know, be, be be a pretty solid roster. And they're they're one of those teams that right now they're, I think, what they're the first team out, or they were in Lenardi's bracketology. And again, that doesn't mean a whole lot until you get closer to March. But uh, Iverson Molinar had a huge game. I mean, he was phenomenal. Just brilliant 30 points on 13 to 21 shooting he didn't hit any threes but he was they, they could not guard him Sean they could not stay in, uh stay in front of him and he was really kind of the catalyst to get them back in it um a couple other guys did okay but I mean it was really him causing a lot of trouble for uh for Kentucky but I think this is a that's a big win at home without Ty Ty Washington I know they were expected to win um but they took a punch for Mississippi State in the second half and uh, had to had to find a way to gut it out in overtime. That's that's a Ben Hallen second half right there. Like that's that's one of those second halves that he's been known for uh, for a very long time. And just his teams find ways to hang around and then have a really good guard Molinar that got hot and Kentucky had to, to hold him off. But you were talking about where the NCAA bracketology is at and that was a desperate team, right? That's the only time that they get Kentucky this year. That's a win that or a loss that when you get to Selection Sunday, Derek, it might decide whether or not Mississippi State gets into the tournament or not. And I think there's going to be a couple of more teams that are looking at Kentucky as well. I'm looking at his bracketology now. Florida's his last team in. Arkansas and Mississippi State are in the first four out, and Texas A&M's in the next four out. So there's going to be some games, in addition to all these teams that are at the top half that we expect to be in the NCAA tournament, there's going to be a couple of games Kentucky's going to face teams that are desperate to build their resume as well. And I, I think last night was one of those. Well, Mississippi State's had a huge stretch coming up, particularly in the conference starting in February. I mean, they have to go to Arkansas. They play Tennessee at home. Then they go on the road to both LSU and Alabama. I mean, that that stretch right there will probably determine uh, if they're able to get in. They'll also have Auburn late in the year. That that would kind of be their last-ditch effort. To, if they still need a key win at that point, that will that will be the one that uh, they would need. But 
for Kentucky, Sean, well, let's just look. Go ahead. I'm looking into this well, game. I was just going to say, and, and honestly, this year in the league, I don't think there's ever a bad SEC win. Like, there's no such thing as a bad conference win. I think you're seeing that kind of be magnified even more this year. Look at Auburn last night on the road at Missouri. I mean, new number one team in the country, and they almost drop a game. And you, you've seen a lot of these teams go on the road and, and lose some of these games this season where you're like, man, how in the world are these teams losing right now? If you just find a way to win, whether it's at home or on the road, there's no such thing as a bad conference win. And and that, that's where I'm coming from with that, regardless of who Kentucky plays. But – but that was a team last night that I could – you could look up and see Mississippi State sneaking in the NCAA tournament. They, when you got a guard like that that can can do things like Molinar can, it makes life so much easier for you. That, that's a solid basketball team. I mean, there's a chance you look up in mid-February here in a few weeks, and that could be a really good win for Kentucky, depending could on be. how Mississippi State uh, fares against some of these other teams. So, this game last night, I mean, I think for Kentucky, you have to start with Oscar Sheboy. I don't really know what else he can say about him, but 21 points and 22 rebounds, the first UK player to do that uh, since I think Mike Phillips in 1976 was the stat that Corey Price had. So what you're watching right now, if you're a Kentucky fan, um, is truly special. And, and also going back to well, that was his fifth time this season that he's grabbed 20 rebounds. And I don't think any Kentucky player has done that since 1951, something like that. I mean, this is, this is elite stuff, Sean. This is like front runner for the national player of the year type performances yeah. that she was giving night in and night out. Yeah. And it's, it's not like that he was bad at, at A&M or bad versus Tennessee or against Auburn, but when you go for 20 and 20 or you go for 30 and 18 and, and you settle for what, 10 points and 14 rebounds, it kind of means like, where was Oscar tonight? But I mean, those are just <laughs> incredible stat lines. Uh, he has to be the front runner at this point. And, and they leaned on him late in that game. And then Kellen Grady delivered the final daggers, but they, they played through him late and he got a couple of big baskets and a couple of big plays. He, he grabs rebounds that at this point, you shouldn't be surprised when he grabs a rebound, but there's still those moments in a game where I'm like, how did he do that? Like he almost came up with another one there late in the game and kind of got pushed into the, the bench. And I uh, just about hauled that one in. And it's just, it's incredible how hard he works, Derek. And just uh, when you get to the NCAA tournament, that's going to be a thing that you can lean on. If you can get that many second chance opportunities and you take away second upper, second chance opportunities for the other team, but that, that guy's got to be the front runner for national player of the year. And look at this. I, I was talking about this morning, Shaquille O'Neal. That was a record at Rep Arena that stood since 1990 when going into this season, 21 rebounds in a game. And now he's third on the list in performances. And I said, how far does Shaq fall down that list this year? He could be out of the top five by the time you get to the end of the season. It was very good. You mentioned Grady hitting the daggers there at the end. He was really struggling in, in regulation. And Dante Allen had a couple shots, and Grady did as well. Felt like those two guys had a couple opportunities from three that maybe if they just would have fallen, it could have helped stretch. I know Allen uh, had one in particular that I remember thinking, man, if that if I went all the way down and came out. And I think it was when Mississippi State was close to cutting it back to single digits. And that one might have give, given them a little bit more breathing room. Who knows what would have happened? Maybe Mississippi State was just going to be able to get back into it no matter what. But Grady steps up, uh, ended up scoring eight points in overtime. Eight of his 18 points came in overtime. Wheeler didn't feel like he had 15 points to me, but that's what he finished with, six assists, um, two turnovers in 32 minutes. And then I thought it was a decent night for Keon Brooks, 12 points, six rebounds. Um, he played through some foul trouble. I thought he did a pretty good job overall. 
out of that starting five last night, the only guy, Sean, who did not play well was Davion Mintz. And that's two straight kind of rough performances from Davion. He had to play a little bit of point last night at times. I mean, they got to the point where uh, Kellen Grady finally played some point guard there late in the first half. But going back to Davion, four points on two of non-shooting. He missed all three of his three-point attempts. Uh, he grabbed two rebounds and had four assists. Uh, you concerned at all about Davion? Not when he's in his normal role. I'm not. I think that he's kind of been the guy that benefits from having Xavier and Tata both because uh, he doesn't have to do that ball-dominant lead guard position. But when he has to, that that's not his game. And then last night he, he looked off from the start. And I don't know if that's because maybe he doesn't fit alongside Xavier as well as he does along Tata when he's the one. Uh, but he did look off. He, he's looked off, like you said, the last couple of games. But when they're at full strength, I, I think he's a guy that's going to get comfortable again and settle back into that role. I mean, they're let's face it, they're best when he's their sixth when he's their sixth man, not when he's having to start and and play thirty five minutes like he did last night. I know that was an overtime game, but he's best if he settles in and gets somewhere in that twenty four to thirty minute range and comes in in that six-man role with those other two guards. I think that played a lot into his struggles because he just he's not able to beat guys off the bounce the same way I saw here in a Tata are. And you saw that when he was running the one, that uh, they just couldn't get offense for Dante or Kellen Grady on the perimeter because Mintz isn't that type of guard. In terms of the bench last night, uh, Dante Allen, he led all scorers off the bench with five points. It, he had his first field goal. It came on a putback dunk, and he ended up hitting a three as well in the first half. Those were his first made field goals since Central Michigan back in November. So it had been a long time since Dante had had something go his way. He ended up with five points, three boards in 18 minutes. Um, I'll take the L on this because I thought it was going to be a Bryce Hopkins night. It was not, although he did have a pretty good stretch at the, right at the end of the half. He had that block shot on the fast break and finished with a dunk. Um, but he only played five minutes. So. I think it was supposed to be Bryce Hopkins night. Didn't he? He went in before Dante, right? He did. Yeah, he went in before yep. Dante. And I didn't think he played particularly poorly. However, uh, it made more sense with Allen to spread the court out it there did. with those lineups that they were running. So, uh, again, didn't think Bryce played poorly by any means. Um, and I'll give a shout out too to Lance Ware. Lance is doing some good things, man. He really is, he is. in his role. He played seven minutes last night. Uh, he scored on that dunk, but he had four rebounds, one assist. Um, a good performance, I thought, from him. I thought I thought those guys, Allen Hawkins and Ware, did some things well, to help them win last night. Ware is that guy that when you're just talking his role, I'm not sure there's a guy on this team that's done and performed their role better than he has. Like, it's not a massive role, but, like, how many games has it been now where we've talked and said he didn't kill him in that stretch that he played? Yeah. Like, he's been consistent seven minutes last night, two points, four rebounds. He had an assist, took one shot. I mean, you, you can't ask for anything more than that, especially the way Oscar's shown the ability to not get in foul trouble. You, they've not needed wear for an extended period of time, but they need him for those little spurts here and there. And his role, I mean, he to me, he's bought into it. He's always got good energy. He's always really good on the bench, and he's performing in that, in that opportunity. And I, I think now you're to a point that if you have to give him extended time, it's not going to be a fatal blow for Kentucky. Yeah, he's doing some good stuff. He's not – you know, he gets in there and, like you said, playing his role, he's not even looking to score in general. I mean, he gets the ball in a post situation. He's looking to give it back to a guard. He's setting screens at the top. Um, doing a really good job. And 
it's pretty clear at this point that he, he's in it, he shot it last year too in terms of the physicality. Uh, Collins is he's basically fallen out of the way out of the all the way out of the rotation. He played one minute last night. Um, didn't record any stat at all when he got in there. So as of now, like you mentioned, if she weighs out, I mean, where is the guy that is most likely going to be getting those minutes? Toppin looked like he was injured at one point uh, with his ankle there in the second half. That was a scare for Kentucky. He came back and he appeared to be fine. He played 15 minutes, not a huge knot for him by any means, three point. He had a three though, his first three of the season, I think last night is only, only three hit that he attempted. Finished with two rebounds. Getting to the general box score, though, in terms of team stats, Sean, one number stands out to me, uh, a negative for Kentucky, 17 turnovers. Yeah. Yep. Not, good. not having – yes, it's not. Uh, not having Tata obviously plays into that as well. I, I, I just think that it puts a strain on you. That's arguably their their best offensive weapon is Tata Washington, the way that he does so many things. And I think that you're going to kind of – you know, see that number, maybe not get to, to that number all the time if, if he's not in there, but uh, you want to see that thing kind of settle down and maybe get to 10 to 12, somewhere where Mississippi State had 11. Uh, on the positive, though, only 10 points given up off those 17 turnovers, Derek. It, it could have been a lot worse uh, than what it was. Kentucky did uh, also 13 second-chance points for Kentucky, only three for Mississippi State. So even though they turned it over, Kentucky did an excellent job not giving up too much off of those mistakes. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's a good point. Yeah, I mean, they both teams have the same amount of points off turnovers, and Kentucky turned it over six more times than uh, Mississippi State. Rebounds, obviously, whenever you have one guy get 22 rebounds, you're probably not going to lose the rebounding battle. No. Uh, Kentucky out-rebounded Mississippi State 44-33. to 33. And then you look at the offensive rebounds, Kentucky had 12, and that led to 13 second-chance points. And Mississippi State had eight offensive boards, but only three points uh, on those second-chance opportunities. So – all in all, this was just a game you needed to win. It didn't really get a clear answer on Tata Washington. Um, Sheboy said after the game he thought that he would be with them. I think it was his words, was that uh, he'll be with us at Kansas. Cal did not say for sure. Um, Tata was out there on the bench last night. He had a boot on that ankle, which you would expect. So we'll see, right? We'll see. I mean, this is a uh, – they found a way to beat a, a quality team, a, a potential NCAA tournament team with a man down at home. I mean, I think that rep crowd helped them there in that second half. But overall, I think you got to be happy. I know it was not good in the second half. It's actually the second straight game. We can talk about this too. Second half defense really let them down. I think they gave up over 50 in the second half against Auburn last night. 
Mississippi State put up 48 in those final 20 minutes. Yep, and then Kentucky settled in and only gave up two in the overtime period. You want to see them find, you know, better consistency there. I I thought that was a game last night where we were going to look up and Mississippi State was going to finish somewhere around 53 points when we were halftime. And instead, I mean, 74 is pretty incredible when you only had 24 at the half. Was there anything uh, that you saw, were seeing that, that caused that? Because you look at the first half, Mississippi State, that was a season low for them on points, 24. They only had eight made, uh, eight made shots. So you're thinking use the overtime period as well. Between the first half and overtime, they gave up 26 points in 25 minutes. But it's that second half where you give up 48 in 20 minutes. Did, did you see anything in that first half or well, that led to a change in the second? Well, Moore got hot from three-point range in the second half. And he hit all three of his threes in the second. Then that was the one guy that they could not go under screens on. And you, you saw that a couple of times. I know there was one late in the game. I can't remember who it was, went under it, and he buried one. It was a big one. Then you you get Molinaire hot, and you, you get a guy like that who sees it go through the basket a couple of times, and you're, you're kind of playing catch-up. And he hit a tough step-back jumper there on the baseline yeah, he did. late in that game. And, I mean, he, he made tough shots. And when you got a guy like that that can do those things, it puts a ton of pressure on you. And then when, especially when you're not paying attention to the scouting report, there's no way that the, the plan that now you can go under screens on Molinar and some of those other guys from Mississippi state, but you could not do it on more. And you had a couple of guys get lost and lose attention to detail there and, and not do that. And I think that that was some breakdowns. I did see Oscar one time he came over to help and he'd never reattached to his man and Kentucky gave up a, a layup there late in the game as well. So you did have some breakdowns, but I think a lot of it will be, fixed and taken care of over the next probably three to four weeks. I think by the time you get into mid-February, early March, this will be a team that will settle in right there, and Ken Palm will be one of the more efficient defensive teams in the country. But uh, you, you've seen it, right, that first half? Incredible. One of the best defensive halves of the season, if, if not the best, and then overtime settled in and only give up two points. So they're, they're certainly capable of defending very well and at a high level. So Kentucky uh, took over Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State was the number one most efficient team in the conference uh, coming into that game. Kentucky is now number one, six defensively. But overall, Kentucky is fourth in the nation in offensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm, and up to 25th defensively. So that's good. You want to be in that top 25 range for both. This, this offense, going by these numbers, I mean, it's playing still at an elite level. Um, so that's encouraging to see. And once Tata gets back, we'll – We'll see if Shaden Sharp ends up joining. Uh, who knows if he will or not. But anything else you want to add to, to from last night's game, Sean, before uh, – I guess that's really about it because we can preview Kansas well, another day. Yeah, it, well, it's, it's a win that you were talking about that when you look up here in a few weeks, how good is it? I mean, they're 44th in the net right now, so it's a quad two. If Mississippi State gets hot and ends up becoming an NCAA tournament team and rolling off some wins, is it a quad one? At some point later in the season, I mean, it's only 14 spots, and I'm looking at their resume. Notre Dame's back into a quad one as a quad one loss. So all of Kentucky's losses right now are quad one. Like this is a resume with a huge opportunity at Kansas on Saturday. It's starting to take shape. I know they let the one at LSU get away. They let one at Auburn get away. I mean, I know injuries played a role in that. Uh, but this is still a very good resume right now, Derek, that it doesn't have any bad losses on it. It's got some pretty solid wins with some opportunities down the stretch here to uh, put together something. I think they're back into three-seed territory in Lenardi's projection. So this uh, – a one-seed is going to be difficult to get to. You have to get a win at Kansas on Saturday to, to really, I think, 
be in the conversation for that and go on a run here in SEC play. But I think this is a team that if uh, they they close strong, I mean, you're, you're talking at least a two seed. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about around the league, just because Kentucky is about to see them twice and they've got a brutal stretch coming up. Alabama dropped a stunner last night. They lost to Georgia. Georgia had not won a game, Sean, since December 20th. In that stretch, they had lost to East Tennessee State and Gardner-Webb, both games at home. <laughs> and they were 0-6 in the SEC, and then they host Alabama last night. If it wasn't enough to beat them in the football national championship, they take it out on Nate Oates, too. And, uh, man, you look at Alabama, what an interesting team now, Sean. Wins against Gonzaga, against Houston, both top five teams in Ken Palm. They beat Tennessee at home, which Tennessee was down a few players, and they beat LSU. That's four wins in the top 15. But you look up, they've also lost to Missouri, who was 131, and Georgia now at 213, in addition to a few other losses, uh, none that were really bad, but Memphis is not what we thought. Well, I don't know. Memphis is not very good. They're 61st and Ken Palm. But listen to these next three teams coming up for Alabama. Home against Baylor, (laughs) away at Auburn. (laughs) And then home against Kentucky, if they lose those three games right there, Sean, they're sitting at 13 and 10 and four and six in the SEC. That's not, I think, what a lot of people saw coming with this Alabama team this year. No, it's one of the most confusing resumes that you'll find. I'm, I'm sitting here looking at it. They, they have five quad one victories and four quad one losses. So they played a lot of tough competition. Yeah. So nine games against quad one competition, but they're seven and two against quad three. I mean, two quad three losses. Those are, those are resume killers. They they lost at Missouri in early January, and then they lost last night at Georgia. And when you talk about that stretch coming up with Baylor, Auburn, Kentucky, they're they're kind of at a crossroads here where you, they need to win two or three of those. I mean, they they need that to to kind of get back to where they they want to be. But I never thought when they went through that stretch early in the season to where they beat Gonzaga and they beat Houston back to back, I never thought that Alabama would be out of the top twenty five in the AP poll. Like if you'd asked me that, I said you're crazy. If you'd have tried to tell me that that in mid-December, that by mid-January, a month later, they'd be out of the top 25, but here they, here they are. I mean, arguably some of the best wins, but then some of the worst losses. And uh, what's their conference record now? They've lost four, uh, four. four games. Yeah. I mean, incredible. Who would have thought, like, you beat Tennessee and then you lose to Missouri, Auburn, you understand, but then you lose to Mississippi State on the road and then Georgia, which the Mississippi State game is not a bad loss, but – uh, Missouri on the road and Georgia on the road. There, there's just no excuse for that. Not with as much talent as Nate Oates has. Nate Oates has a lot of talent on that team. Certainly. Quinterly, Shackelford, uh, Davison as a freshman point guard. Uh, J.D. has been uh, very good. I mean, you can kind of look at the SEC standings right now. I mean, Auburn, Auburn would have to really falter to not win the league just they were, their schedule was somewhat front-loaded, but even then they didn't really have a tough SEC schedule. Um, if they if they don't win the league outright, then something probably bad would have had to have happened. But then you look at Kentucky. I think Kentucky is pretty clear-cut, going to finish number two. They're 6-2 and two right now. And then the team next is Texas A&M. I don't know if a and going to hang around at the top, but, like, Tennessee already has three losses. They have to play Kentucky again. I think they play Auburn as well, I want to say. Um, they do, and they that's really about their last two tough games. They still have to play Kentucky and Auburn one more time. Arkansas won't be gimme, they play them twice, but at LSU know. next for them, for who 
A&M at LSU next. Oh, yeah, 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 A&M. Yep. I mean, that's not going to be easy. That's tonight, actually. Yeah, Florida tonight, and Tennessee so play tonight. So, I mean, like, there are a lot of teams already with three losses, four losses. LSU has four losses in the league already. I just don't think this is going to be much – I mean, I think Kentucky at the at the top is going to be right there with, with Auburn. And, again, that's why, you know, if you really care, I don't – I mean, Kentucky's won, what, like 50 regular season championships? At the end of the day, nobody at Kentucky really cares. That's not really your goal is to win an SEC championship. Um but just in terms of how it's playing out, like this this league title race might be decided fairly early this year. Yeah, and and I'm sitting here and you know looking at Kentucky's resume, and I, I check it every day. And even though they have those two losses, and they're frustrating because of the way that they happened, Derek, this is a team that has been since January. Let's see here. So January first, they were 15th in the net. They dropped to 17th on January sixth climbed to 12th on January 11th and then they've been 11 10 or 9 for like the last week and a half like it's it's been steady and consistent and that's what you want to see you want to see them settling in and kind of being in that ballpark uh, they have a huge opportunity at Kansas I think Kansas is number seven in the net coming up so if they win Kentucky probably climbs and uh, then you'd see them break into the top 10 of that AP poll and they're they're right there in the conversation uh, I still I still don't think this Kentucky team has peaked yet, and I think that's the biggest topic right now. I, I, certainly they, they haven't peaked because they haven't been healthy. Like, they've had so many guys out. Uh, Sabir's been out a couple of games. Tata's been out now a game. Uh, you got some other guys that have been banged up. Uh, I think you want to see them hit their peak somewhere around maybe that home game versus LSU in late February. I think that's where you want to see it. Uh, back-to-back games at Rupp Arena, uh, February 19th, February 23rd versus Alabama LSU. I think that point in the season is where you want to see this team really settling in and playing its best basketball. And I, I still think its best basketball is ahead of them. I mean, you look at UK's schedule, like they're outside of Kansas coming up Saturday. Kansas, I mean, they're a very good offensive team, but defensively is where they really struggle. I don't think there are many really at all. There are really no complete – basketball teams left and what I mean by that you know none of these teams are playing coming up or top 25 in both Ken Palm and offensive and defensive efficiency you get a team like Tennessee very good defensively top five but then they're 51st offensively LSU is really the same way LSU's offense uh is awful 130 in efficiency but defensively they're the the best team overall in the country so these are not going to be easy games for Kentucky to win but also I think at this point Kentucky has established itself as a more well-rounded team than basically any team left on their schedule, even Kansas going by Ken Palm because Kansas well, is 49th defensively, but and, a very good offensive team. And when you get to that NCAA tournament and you get to postseason basketball, I, I know you, obviously the, the motto and the saying is defense wins championships, but I would rather have a more efficient offense, but your defense has to be efficient as well, but it doesn't have to be as efficient in my opinion, because I think when you get into that tournament, we know the thing that dominates the, the headlines and the position that dominates the headlines in NCAA tournament, it's guard play. Good guards always carry teams in March. Those UConn teams loaded with guards and uh, even Kentucky's teams that have made runs. I mean, they were really good and guard dominant too. And uh, I, I think Kentucky's got, a nice collection of guards to go along with Oscar Sheboy. And I think that the efficiency offensively, I, w- I want to see this team continue to stay in that top five. And if they they're there 
and they're really efficient. You're going to be more efficient on the offensive end in March than you are in January because you're just going to continue to get better, get more comfortable. That defense efficiency, if it settles somewhere where it is right now, 25, it gets to 20, then I think this is the team that you could see at the Final Four and have a chance to cut down the nets. Yeah, I mean, I, that's that's well said. I think there's a lot to like about this team, and Kansas will be another big matchup. We'll, we'll talk about them later this week. But, Sean, if you want to take us home. Yeah, as always, the show it's powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub, three locations, Palmville, Williamsburg, and London. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.